Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. League of Wildness, Wildman Dan here, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about progressive overload, and this was inspired by the wild man, Jacob England. Shout out. He left a comment on our YouTube channel, so I do read the comments. If you guys have questions, comment down below, and we'll, uh, we'll keep the conversation going. So Jacob asks, he says, I'm curious what your thoughts are on progressive overload, sets and reps, rest and recovery, and how these concepts fit into the wild gym ecosystem. He actually said monkey, but uh, we'll update it to be representative of our rebrand to wild gym from last year. Great question. And so I took a bunch of notes. And what I want to say first is most of the programs on what's currently the monkey app and will soon be the wild gym app. Most of those have some sort of progressive overload to them for the pocket monkey monkey bar type of training and neon Buffalo now as well. Those workouts are more focused on volume typically. So for example, maybe you're doing eight rows eight rows, excuse me, eight rows week one, week two, you're doing 10, week three, you're doing 12. And then typically I'm programming in rest every three or four weeks. And that's something I've recommended since I first started coaching was you need to take those rest weeks. And what that doesn't mean that you do nothing for a week, but think of active recovery, doing low intensity aerobic exercise training, whatever you want to call it, that's super restorative to our central nervous system. And it just kind of, the, the way I describe it is it kind of helps flush out all the kind of what we might think of as, as waste products, get fresh blood, more circulation to our entire body. It's going to help you recover faster. And again, help with that central nervous system as well. So I do think that does get overlooked quite a bit in like the mass market. When you think of like the industrial fitness complex, my favorite term, although it's, uh, yeah, we will have a separate podcast on that. But if you think about like the industrial fitness complex is very predicated on this like 30 day, get, get fit quick concept. You buy the thing and you know, in 30 days or 90 days, whatever it is, you're supposed to be totally shredded. But then it's like, what do you do next? And I think that's where some of these programs, the tactical programs, again, as I mentioned, there's this progressive overload built into the wild gym training where they're getting harder as time goes on. There's also deload weeks, deload weeks, excuse me, programmed them as well. So you get that opportunity to essentially absorb the training because you can train as hard as you want, but if you do not recover appropriately, you're not going to absorb all that training. So that's where you start to see those plateaus or even regressions in fitness. And as I mentioned earlier, so the way I've approached the training for most of the wild gym products. So the way our progressive overload is working is we're either increasing volume. So volume is going up as time goes on. We're increasing intensity. So that could be like monkey 360. Maybe you're doing a harder exercise. Maybe you're doing it for longer. And then exercise selection kind of can go along with that intensity as well. But maybe we're doing a standard push-up at the start and then we're moving on to a wild push-up. And then maybe like a push-up 
plus plus pike or something like that. So there's lots of ways you can approach progressive overload. It can be percentages of max weights. That's more like in the weightlifting world. But what's awesome about calisthenics is they're very, very conducive to that progressive overload concept. If you think about gymnastics, like there's your kind of standard pull-up, standard push-up, and then taking those out to doing those things on rings or like planned push-ups, front levers, all these these wild exercises at that very elite level. But you can do variations of those to continue to progress and overload those different exercises. So calisthenics are awesome for that. And again, as I said, if you're not recovering, you're not absorbing the training. And I think an important question to ask and what Jacob made me think of is, this is a personal decision for everyone or a personal question that you need to decide for yourself, but are you training or are you exercising? And just to kind of distinguish between the two very, very simply, I would say, in my opinion, at least how I'm thinking about it, training is very performance focused. So you're doing exercise in a focused way with a very, oops, with a very specific desired outcome, if that makes sense. So when I think back to when I was a college athlete, the back squat was a very uh, integral exercise to our strength and conditioning program. There was basically a three or four month map to this target weight you're trying to achieve in the future and then kind of reverse engineering that through different waves of percentages to achieve that end state. When I think of exercise being more health focused, it's really just moving your body in a large variety of ways, not getting injured, kind of improving all things, mobility, flexibility, strength, cardiovascular fitness. It's a very general approach with no real intended specific goal other than simply being healthier and being fitter over time. And one thing to consider also, whether you're training or exercising, your training age is going to have a huge impact on kind of the results you're going to see. So if you're new to training or if you've been, you know, if you haven't worked out regularly for years, you're going to see a lot of progress very quickly when you consistently work out. And that's kind of cool. Like newbie gains is a common phrase used. But what's interesting, if you're new, whether you're doing training for a specific goal or just exercising, when you're getting back into it or if you're new, you're generally going to also improve performance, even if you don't really have this intended goal. And that's just, again, your body's adapting very rapidly to this new stimulus. And over time, you're going to kind of hit that asymptote where it takes way, way, way more effort and input to get kind of marginal results. So that's also something, you know, I've been I basically started working out when I was like 10. I went to a high school that had a very, very good strength and conditioning program, same in college. So, you know, my training age is almost like 30 years now, which is kind of crazy. So for me to make like a huge leap and let's say if, it, if I wanted to, you know, deadlift a bunch of weight or improve my mile time, whatever it is it's going to take so much effort and focus because I've been training so long. It's just, I've kind of, I haven't maxed out all these things, but I, uh, I'm just, it's going to require so much more work to see significant gains. Whereas if you haven't been training, 
you're going to see these huge jumps as you begin. So it's kind of cool if you're new. So you have that, you have that going for you. So Jacob had also asked about sets and reps, rest and recovery. So for strength specifically, for trying to improve our strength, we're generally going to be working in the one to eight rep range. And then I would say anywhere from like, I have three to five sets written down here. It could be two to six. It could be three to seven. We're going to be generally in that range, lower reps, heavier quote unquote weight, or just more intensity. And we're not trying to like, we're not training the cardiovascular system. So it should be short, intense, focused. And then for strength specifically, we also want to allow for full recovery. So it wouldn't make sense to do, you know, a set of push-ups, rest for 10 seconds and do it again if training strength is your specific goal. And one thing I've noticed using Monkey 360 over the years is because we're using resistance bands. So as you pull away from the anchor point, the resistance goes up and up and up. And then as you return it, the resistance goes down. So essentially, it's not eliminating, but it's reducing what is called the eccentric load. So eccentric would be, think about like a bicep curl. I'm lowering the weight. That is the eccentric. And then concentric would be the lifting of the weight. So eccentric lowering, concentric lifting. And when we, the eccentric load is what tends to kind of make you sore, potentially has a little bit more impact on central nervous system. What's cool about Monkey 360 is I think it allows you to train more frequently because we're reducing or lowering that eccentric load. So you're just, you're not thrashing your body in the same way. So you can train more frequently. That's probably one of the biggest errors I've just made in my personal kind of training, exercise career, whatever you want to call it, is I'm just, I'm a very motivated, excited person for physical fitness. And I would say I tended to maybe overdo it at times. And I like saying I was under recovered more than overtrained, but I just, I remember feeling like stale, especially when I was a college athlete. I mean, we went hard six days a week. Then this was in season. So you'd have a game on the weekend, maybe two games in a week. Plus you're doing like crazy sprints on Monday. You're in the weight room two to four days a week. I mean, it was just full on. And I remember I just, I, I had this in my head, like if a little bit of something is good, then more is better. So I would just, I spent way too much time like training in season when I probably should have been focusing more on recovery and recovery to be honest so Jacob I hope this kind of answers your question progressive overload it's a very broad term and just kind of sum it up progressive overload is essentially just designing a training program where over time you're increasing intensity you're increasing intensity you're increasing volume and it's typically intended to the progressive overload is typically intended to have like a specific outcome. Whereas if we're talking, so it kind of, it's going to fall more into this training category. When I think about exercise, again, we're health focused. So I think there's just so many ways we could dive into this, but kind of to sum it up. So yes, most of the wild gym programs are going to follow some sort of progressive overload. And again, depending on your training age, you're going to have to approach that in very different ways. But I think, you know, my interest 
more so is really more on the health side. And I, I do, I do think training being performance focused and exercise being health focused, there's a ton of crossover there. So it's not like if you're training, you're, you're not helping your health. If you're exercising, you're not uh, improving performance. It's just kind of like there's that crossover, right? You're emphasizing one maybe more than the other. I'm personally, I'm kind of in this weird place where I have performance goals and definitely like have a follow, I would say a training plan, but I kind of have a very intuitive approach to it. Can save that for a separate podcast as well. I'm really more interested in how to blend the two. How do you blend exercise with training so that you're not sacrificing long-term health for short-term short-term performance improvements. I'm 30, I'm almost, I'm 37. You know, I'm starting to get to that age where I feel, I can feel like the, what, you know, you've heard your whole life about getting older essentially. But my thought process is like, man, if I could stay close to where I'm at now for the next like 20, 30, 40 years, I mean, that's, that's a good life. So that's just where my mind's at. Thank you, Jacob, for leaving the comment. If you guys have further questions, drop, drop a comment down below. And like I said, keep the conversation going. Much love. I'll see you guys out there.